What's going on? Welcome to Base Liberty. Darren Wisely here, thrilled to be with you today. It's Monday, November 2nd, 2020, and this is the election episode. And I'm sure you feel just like I do. I am so ready for this cycle to be over. I mean, every time I check my phone, I have like two or three texts, get out and vote, get out and vote. Of course, Facebook's reminding you, Instagram, all social media is talking about getting out to vote. Now, if any of these big tech companies knew my political persuasion, I'm sure they would be rescinding that offer. Super annoying. And you've got a ton of virtue signaling. You know, the people with the I voted sticker, the I voted in their profile pic. I mean, it's just as bad as the masks in the profile picture or, of course, the pronouns in bio. I mean, those are probably three of the worst forms of social media virtue signaling you see on a wide scale these days. Maybe we can do an episode about virtue signaling at some point. Get out and vote. Do your civic duty. Even though most of the times they're just voting for more slavery. I'm someone who's fairly interested in politics, so if I'm ready for it to be over... I can't imagine how excited the average person is. So, we're almost there. This is the election episode. But I'm not talking about the presidential election. Uh, I want to talk about elections that may have more of an influence on your actual day-to-day life. I mean, all you see on TV, media, is you know Trump-Biden, Trump-Biden, the presidential election. And it's like this every four years. It's not just specific to this election. Our country, unfortunately, has this fixation on the presidency. There's this obsession where we treat the president like a monarch. And, you know, I thought the whole idea was to not have a king. But we don't call him a king or queen if it were to be a woman. Thankfully, it hasn't been Hillary Clinton. But we treat him like royalty. We still call him the president. You know, you're there for four or eight years after we shouldn't call them the president. They're not the president anymore. You know, we're obsessed with what the president eats, where they play golf, what their dog's name is. Um, really treating them like royalty. So that's what the media's focused on. That's what the public's focused on. But... And, of course, the president, especially the last hundred years, but um, really since the beginning of the country and really since a lot since 1861, we have seen the executive branch completely expand constitutionally uh, vested power. And the power the office holds or really has seized for itself explains this fixation. But I want to talk about some other elections. As Brian McClanahan says, think locally, act locally. That's the tag on his podcast. I love that tag. Check out his podcast if you haven't, The Brian McClanahan Show. Of course, I've recommended several of Dr. McClanahan's books right here on this podcast. I do have my reading list that I have up and I'm going to keep working on. It takes time, but that's at choosewisely.org. Check that out if you want some suggestions. But... If you want to look at races that really can affect your day-to-day life and make it better, look at your local elections. I mean, you're not going to run into your U.S. senator 
at the grocery store, at uh, you know, at your kid's ball game or whatever. But you can do this with your city councilman, county commissioner, mayor, those sorts of things. So wherever you are, look at those issues. I mean, you want to stop a millage from going through. You want your park cleaned up, you know, whatever it is. Stop looking for the federal government to solve all your problems. You know, you look at AOC. She's talking about the subways in New York, but she wants the federal government to fix it. Well, why doesn't she go become a city council person there and fix up the problem? That's not a federal issue. You want something done, and you want to make your community better, get elected to local office or get someone good who's elected. And I'm going to talk about some good people where I'm at. But I'm going to start off this show some state things. These are things that are very important. Of course, they're not the type of things that are going to be on Fox News, CNN, the mainstream media. Now, there are some statewide outlets, you know, M Live, the Free Press. Of course, they're going to have a leftward slant on them. So I'm going to give my perspective. Do, do what you will with the info. I mean, I'm not here to tell you what to do. But uh, I'm just here to point you in the right direction, give you some good resources. So the focus of this episode is some other important things going on here on Tuesday and why we should focus on state and really local elections. Because those are how we can change things. I mean, the federal government really is just a lost cause. I mean... Obviously, I don't want Biden to win because I don't want to be locked in my house and I don't want to be sent to a re-education camp. But again, that's one vote out of, you know, millions and a lot of dead people. So today, this is Michigan elections. And, you know, if you don't live in Michigan, you know, maybe you don't want to listen to this episode. I mean, that's not going to hurt my feelings. But a lot of these principles... You might be able to take to your own state, your own uh, municipality, and use. So maybe you can get something out of this if you want to listen through. But uh, if you're in Michigan, definitely listen to this. So the first thing, we got two ballot proposals. The first is about uh, state park funds. So proposal one is a constitutional amendment that will change the state park endowment fund and the natural resources trust fund, the way in which they operate. And it asks voters to approve a plan that would dedicate a chunk of revenue to fund it in perpetuity. So right now, um, the leases and royalties the state earns from letting companies mine minerals, natural resources on state property goes to an endowment fund uh, rather than going to general revenue for the legislature to spend. So they brought in about 25 to $30 million, according to the Detroit News, in each of the f- past five years. This plan uh, is a constitutional amendment, like I said, and it will continue the spending and saving plan. The change is that the proceeds continue to go after the trust fund reaches its current limit of $1.3 billion. What what kind of things will this fund go to then? Like I said, it doesn't just go to a general fund for the state to spend at their discretion. It's for particular purposes. Developing state parks, adding which would add, you know, restrooms, boardwalks, boat launches, playground equipment. But it also 
allows potentially the state to purchase acres for new parks or rec areas. Of course, you have maintenance costs associated with all of that. But regardless, the funds are going to keep growing under this plan. The public trust doctrine comes into play here, and it's what's used uh, guiding the management of public waters like the Great Lakes here in Michigan, but it's also applied to other land and publicly owned resources. On this proposal, I don't have a particularly strong opinion. The thing I like about the way things have been done and the way this would continue is you have funds dedicated to a specific item. Uh, the worst thing you get in the world is this huge bloated state budget and the legislature and you know the governor can do whatever they want with it because we know that money is going to be inefficient, waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, it's just not, usually the money does not go to the most important areas just historically and uh, it's just the nature of government really. So I like, if you're going to get have money for the state, I like that, hey, this is the money, this is what it's for. Now that being said, do we really want more money for these parks? I mean, the nature of them, there's going to be upkeep costs. I mean, personally, I do not want to see the state buy more. Right now, they have 12.6 million acres of public land. I mean, why does the state need any more land? And if you want things to be upkept well, then you would have the private sector, of course, do it. Of course, no one's talking about that because that would just make sense and it would be less power for the state. Um, but obviously, if you're going to have these things, you need to upkeep them so they don't, you know, just become nasty. So uh, that's what they're looking at there. I'd look into that more if that interests you. There is a nice little like 13, 14 minute video interview uh, on Mackinac.org. If you're familiar with the Mackinac Center, they are a Michigan specific public policy center. I check in there very periodically because it's a real good area to see what's going on when you're talking about budgets, policy proposals. Because again, things at the state level, it's just really hard to find good information out. Michigan, we are lucky for all our downfalls and all the Awful things happen in the state. We do have the Mackinac Center, Mackinac.org. Check it out because they are good at keeping you informed. So check out that video if this interests you. One of the groups opposing this opposes it because they don't like, quote-unquote, fossil fuels. They think that's unsustainable. Um, of course, I highly disagree with that. I think this whole we need to get rid of fossil fuels is bogus. I'm not saying we can't use different forms of energy or we shouldn't look into them but this idea that we can't use fossil fuels well one it's short-sighted because uh when you're talking about electricity things like that you're telling me there's no waste or pollution with that i mean that's that's ludicrous of course so look into that now proposal two i'm much more interested in this this proposal would require law enforcement to acquire a search warrant before assessing a person's electronic data and communications. Now this seems like a no-brainer, um, but law enforcement is able to access uh, our data in Michigan here pretty much at will. In 2011, the FBI, always Friends of Liberty, um, acquired 
cell phone data. Uh, they revealed 13,000 locations this person had been, but they didn't even ask a judge. 13,000 locations. They didn't even ask a judge for a warrant. And this went to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it held that the Fourth Amendment applied to the cell phone location records, and law enforcement must obtain a search warrant before accessing this information. The decision only applied to location data. It didn't apply to financial documents, photos, calendar appointments, all the different things that are on your phone. So that's scary because there's a lot of sensitive information on people's phones. So under this case, the law enforcement can do this without a warrant. Pretty Orwellian stuff. Now I think... This one will be a shoe-in, but maybe I have too much faith in the general public. Of course, the government shouldn't be able to just access your phone without a warrant. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, let's be real here. Warrants are extremely easy to get. Most judges are rubber stamps for warrants. So the fact that someone has to get one signed isn't that difficult, if law enforcement really thinks they have a need to. But stay out of our business. Missouri had a similar uh, proposal in 2014. 75% of voters voted yes on this referendum to amend their constitution. So I think uh, it's probably going to be a shoe in here if I had to say. I would say, you know, definitely, I think we could get, you know, at least 70%. Utah's followed suit. So uh, we'll see, of course, but uh, definitely vote for that proposal. I'll, I'll sum up a Samuel Alito quote. It would be very unfortunate if privacy protection in the 21st century were left primarily to the federal courts using the blunt instrument of the Fourth Amendment. Legislatures, elected by the people, are in a better position than we are to assess and respond to the changes that have already occurred and those that almost certainly will take place in the future. I want to protect our privacy in this day and age. There's almost no privacy, so let's do what we can to protect it and vote in favor of this proposal. That's what I'm doing, certainly. I'm going to move on to judicial elections. If you're in Michigan and you didn't know before, now you know now how important these judicial elections are uh, because we just had that real close 4-3 decision against Governor Whitmer. So it really matters getting people who are not going to put their political ambitions into decisions, but who are going to have a strict interpretation of the law, of course, and a commitment to upholding the Constitution. Nothing else really should matter, because their role is not to make law, but it is to uphold it as written. Starting out, we have, in my district, the first district court of appeals for appellate judge. We have three open seats, and three people running. They're all incumbents, so not a lot to say or do with that. But I will move on to our Supreme Court election, which we have seven people on the ballot. Now, I'm going to be transparent here. I haven't done you know copious amounts of re research on this. I mean, you're talking about seven people, some of them judges going through their opinions, 
you know, law review articles. It could be 30, 40, 50 pages they've written. I mean, as Barack Obama would say, that's above my pay grade. Now, I did put a ton of work into that uh, Governor Whitmer episode about the Supreme Court case. I did read that opinion and go through three and a half hours of oral argument. But to do this for seven people, if this ever became a full-time job, certainly. But uh, So what I did do is go off um, some interviews and some things they've said about themselves. Uh, like Ballotopedia, you know, there's a little blurb. And... If you want to know one thing in politics, what someone says about themselves, I mean, what could be more meaningless? Everyone's going to say they're the best and uh, all this kind of stuff. So I really don't like to listen to what someone says about themselves. But you can take some of these quotes and see where their head is. It's important to me in a justice, in this case, is how they see their role first and foremost. And if that role isn't to uphold the Constitution, then if that's not their top priority, then they do not deserve to hold this position. Some of these interviews I got from woodtv.com. There's like a 14-minute video, and each of them are just given like a two, three-minute pitch. Uh, check that out if you want. And of course, some stuff they've written on Ballotopedia and a couple other places. Now, there's two open seats. One is because Justice Markman uh, is no longer eligible. In Michigan, once you're over 70, you can't run for re-election. I kind of like the way we do things at the state level and would love to see, maybe not exactly, but some kind of similar restrictions uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court because, I mean, look what happened with Ginsburg. You know, she was there, you know, for decades she dies. I mean, we know she was in ill health for a long time before that. It's just not a situation we really want to be in. So, and then uh, Justice, she's the Chief Justice right now. Bridget uh, McCormick is also is the only incumbent on here. So I'll start with her. Now I'm instantly going to write her off because she voted. She was in the dissent of the four three opinion against Governor Whitmer. I mean. You obviously don't care much about upholding the Constitution, protecting liberty, and the rule of law if you can support uh, what she's doing, if you can support that. Um, of course, she's a partisan hack um, from the Democratic Party. She's going to be a hard no from me, but I'm sure she'll get in. She's an incumbent. We all know how that goes. So we'll presume she's going to get in. And which would make the court three to three Republican Democrat, leaving one spot open. So this is a huge other seat. So we'll go through. We have Elizabeth Welch. She's the other Democrat. It's, and it's technically nonpartisan, but we know how that goes. She's the other Democrat. So this is what she says about herself. Her current work is focused heavily upon COVID-19 and the workplace safety issues and unemployment issues. Interesting. She's worked in criminal law. She's been on a lot of boards. You know, your, your typical resume of someone who would go for a seat like this. Here's, here's what things are important to her from her website. We need justices who will lead on important issues to the judicial and important changes to the judicial system. Well, what are these changes? Um, you know, when someone 
who's presumably more liberal, talks about change, uh, it's usually not for the better. It must be accessible and transparent. Well, I agree with her there. Technological changes, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But in her interview, uh, what was the red flag and the deal killer? Well, there was a couple things, but uh, she used the D word, and that is democracy. And uh, let's say that's enough to check her off my list right there. She's the only one who used that word. And I'm not sure why uh, a someone who wants to be a Supreme Court justice would talk about democracy because you're supposed to uphold the law. Now, I will say she was the only person in that interview who seemed to have somewhat of a personality. She seemed more upbeat and everyone else just seemed, you know, like a zombie, I guess, like your typical lawyer. But, uh, you know, she was upbeat and perky, but then uh, what she had to say uh, <laughs> did not match her somewhat warm personality. We'll put it that way. She said, we need to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. I mean, sure, but it's like that's your pitch for yourself? You're talking about democracy and being friendly? I mean, look, we all like to get along with people, and we'd all like to get along better. But the problem in government isn't that people disagree too much. Now, that's what you think. That's what the media puts it as. But the problem in government is people getting along too much. You see, it's the go-along-to-get-along mindset. It's the one-party duopoly. Always come together to vote for bigger budgets, bigger government, and to take away our liberty, making life better for the elites, their friends in the big corporations, and hurting everyone else at the expense of all of us. So we need more people to have backbone, to disagree, to fight against the tyranny, especially here in Michigan. Next we have Mary Kelly. Um, she is a Republican nominee. She did, wasn't in the interview, which I, I don't know why that was. I'm sure she has some out there somewhere. Um, she's a former assistant prosecutor. Sometimes people with that mindset aren't the best when it comes to civil liberties. But, uh, you know, I came from a prosecutorial background, so uh, obviously not everyone is like that. Says so she's been a steadfast champion of the rights of victims. Well, that's good, but uh, what about the rights of everyone else? She talks about victims, uh, some of the problems going on with things like substance abuse. I mean, okay, but, but you're trying to be a justice. Um, I'm not seeing a lot. Again, this just seems very bare bones. And that's uh, all you really got to work with with her. Now, the other Republican is Brock... Schwartzel, and I might be botching the name, sorry. Uh, he's got a nice flow, I'll, I'll give him that. He's got cool hair. But uh, he is the only one who has an appellate background. So he's currently judge on the 4th District Michigan Court of Appeals. He's got some pretty good campaign themes and messages. And again, what someone says about themselves, I'm not going to be too sold on. Um... But it seems like he's coming from the right place. He talks about being a proven rule of law conservative. 
He talks about not being beholden to a particular point of view, but beholden to the rule of law. Not being partisan. Um, I mean, I like what he's saying where that kind of stuff is going. That stuff looks good. In his interview, I really wasn't impressed at all. Um, it just kind of seemed like you're kind of empty platitudes. He did point out, you know, his experience on the Court of Appeals. So, uh, so that's him. So that's uh, Brock Schwartzel. And now we have a Libertarian Party candidate, Carrie Lee Morgan. I'll say in the interview, he definitely impressed me the most. Uh, he had an emphasis on expanding government power. He seems interested in natural law and inalienable rights. I mean, those are definitely very important things. And he talks about writing, applying the law, the law as written, not as it could be written in the mind of a judge. That's key. I can bring a balanced respect for the written law in the Constitution, in particular, to the bench. And these, I did notice in these interviews, he is one of only two people who even mentioned the Constitution. So again, that gives me insight that this guy is coming from the right place, uh, writing the law as written. I mean, what a clear statement of exactly what a judge should be. So that's Carrie Lee Morgan from the Libertarian Party. The one other person, Susan L. Hubbard. Now, she's from the Green Party. And in the interview, I, even though you know the Green Party is more progressive... She did talk about the Constitution. I didn't hear the Republicans or Democrats do that. She also talked about dark money in elections. And if you're familiar with me, you know <laughs> my interaction, we'll say, of course, on the other side of it. Um, and you look, this isn't dark money, but this is just regular contributions. Elizabeth Welch has received $1.3 million dollars in contributions, more than the incumbent, who's received over a million, that's Bridget Mary McCormick. Oh, I forgot to say about McCormick in her interview. Nothing about the Constitution. She talked about, we need to treat people with dignity and respect. Now, that's true. I don't disagree with her. But in your two, three, four-minute pitch, that's what you're talking about? What about the dignity and respect the governor refuses to treat her constituents who she's supposed to serve with. You didn't seem too concerned about that when you voted against the cause of liberty when you voted for your fellow Democrat, the governor. Dignity and respect. How about the Constitution, the rule of law, defending liberty, applying the law as written? That's what you should be worried about. Not dignity and respect. And rainbows and unicorns, too. Mary Kelly, um, again, a Republican, 382000 And then Brock Schwartzel, just over 300000 So, And there's nothing from the Libertarian or Green candidates. So, I mean, presumably the only four with a chance are going to be your two Dems and your two Republicans. Um, Republican appointees... Generally aren't great, but um, you get some diamonds in the rough for sure. And 
with Democrats, you almost know you're getting something awful, although sometimes they are better on civil liberties. Of course, in this case with the governor, uh, they were not. Oh, that's all I got to say about the Supreme Court. Uh, do your own research, get more into that, but that's just kind of a rough overview. And again, you get two choices. There's two openings, presumably one will be filled by the incumbent. And But supposedly there's about $4 million in dark money going behind the two Democrats and about $1.5 million behind the two Republicans. Interesting. Uh, I mean, people see the the influence. They're smarter, you know. Instead of buying off over 100 legislators, why not just buy off, you know, four people on the Supreme Court? <laughs> Talk about uh, bang for your buck for these huge corporations and special interests. So I want to talk, hit home right here in my beloved home of Hillsdale County. A couple people I wanted to talk about. Again, if you don't live here, you don't want to listen, don't. But uh, this can be some information or principles you want to bring to your own. Because again, you can do these things. I mean, you want to protect your gun rights. You know, get a sheriff who who's not going to enforce unconstitutional uh, federal or or laws that violate the state constitution when it comes to gun rights because you have a god-given right to self-defense you want to protect religious freedom uh you don't want to increase your local taxes you want your school system to be better whatever it is there's a much better chance of making a real impact when you get involved locally because it might only take a few hundred votes state it might take a few hundred thousand federal millions so we have a federal system hardly anymore but there are still some things you can do getting involved first off i'm going to talk about our county commissioner so we got a real interesting kind of scenario here this is district five for hillsdale county so district five is going to be jerome somerset wheatland pittsford uh waldron down at the south end and the current incumbent Nimrata Carolyn, I mean, she is awesome, okay? But she's got an uphill battle. So there was, an o there was a vacancy in 2019, and she was appointed to fill that spot. Now, I know they regret this decision because she is someone who has stood alone, fighting to keep things open through all the tyranny, through all these draconian shutdowns, uh, she's fought for fiscal responsibility. I mean, all the things these rhinos at the county commissioner level stand for, which is more spending, more taxes, screwing the middle class, going along with the governor's stupid orders. But she's fought against that. She's principled. You love to see it. Sure, uh, they regret that. So to get her out... Uh, she had a primary opponent in the Republican primary. She lost her primary in August, but she's running as an independent, a writing candidate. So it's interesting. You have an incumbent running as an, an independent write-in, but add to the mix, our local Republican party is backing her over the Republican. 
because she stands for what the party represents or is supposed to represent, the platform at least, of conservative values, of fiscal responsibility, of less government, of defending liberty. Um, she really does practice what she preaches. You can go on her website, go on her Facebook, actually run her Facebook page, listen to her speeches, listen to her interviews. She's got a recent one with the man, Joshua Palladino, and if you want more insight um, on her, but um, she's got an uphill battle. I mean, no lie, right? She's a write-in. She's an independent. Uh, hopefully, people come out for her, but she's working hard. She's one of the hardest workers you'll meet, and uh, it would be great for her to win. She grew up in India and London, so really a different perspective than you're used to seeing out here in Cornfield County. But I think coming from a country like India, she sees what socialism can do, and she's fighting uh, for freedom. She cares deeply about the Constitution, deeply about fighting for our small businesses, for our community, all the things you should want out of someone representing you on the local level. So uh, don't take my word for it, though. Check out what she said. But uh, she's definitely sound on all the key areas, and uh, I hope she can pull it off. I'm pulling four. I've tried to do what I can, and uh, there's my pitch. Nimrata Carolyn, write her in for District 5 if you live out there on Tuesday. And my one other race I want to talk about is our city council here in Hillsdale proper. There is a race in Ward 4. Now, the establishment has their person in there. And I tell you what, the establishment uh, hates our mayor because he's standing for freedom, for restraint. And they're really trying to take over our local government and protect their own interests, which is unfortunate because we have a great community. We have uh, a college here that actually teaches things like the Constitution that doesn't take any federal money. So I think our elected officials should represent our values. Unfortunately, a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't, both on the local and uh, county level. But Penny Swan, who's running for District Four, certainly does. She's been heavily involved in local politics. She shows up to pretty much every city or county level meeting um, in township sometimes, and and records because, and that's a huge deal because, like I said earlier in this episode. You don't get the coverage at these local levels that you do on a uh, national level. So it's really important that these officials are held accountable because we all know behind closed doors, they'll always vote for tax increases. They'll always vote for more government. They'll vote for salary increases for themselves. They'll vote for subsidies for their friends. Whatever it is, they're just going to go along to get along. Uh, but when they're held accountable... That's why we can get some pushback. That's how we can elect some good people in there. So she's, you know, she's been in there. She's taken a lot of flack for it. Of course, the establishment doesn't like being exposed, but uh, she really doesn't care. Um, she'd be a great ally for our mayor here in Hillsdale. Uh, much needed. But she's a strong constitutionalist. And uh, like I said, she's fighting for liberty, fighting for fiscal restraint. I mean, I can't think of anyone 
who would do a better job than Penny Swan. So Ward 4, if you live there, Ward 4, Hillsdale City, Penny Swan, hands down on Tuesday. I've got nothing. I've gotten to know her really well in the past year through my own election, and uh, I know she's the real deal. I know she's not uh, all talk and no action like many. Uh, Many Republicans know how to talk the talk in a rural conservative community, tell people what they want to hear, and then they get in and hope people don't really pay attention. But uh, Penny Swan's not like that. She will stick by her convictions, and, and you can't really ask for much more than that. So there's what we got. Um, might have went a little long today. Sorry about that, but I hope you enjoyed this. But the key takeaway, you know, you make your own decision who you're going to vote for. But the key takeaway is pay attention to these state and local levels. Get good people in there. That's how you can make a real difference. We'll see how Tuesday plays out, and I'm sure I'll give you an episode, my thoughts on that. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be crazy. I mean, the left thought they had it in the bag in 16. There was fraud, sure, but uh, not like it's going to be this year. I feel, my prediction is, I really don't know who's going to win. I think it's going to be tight, and I'm not really into following the polls and all that real close. But I think we're not going to know right away, and which could be crazy. There could be civil unrest. I don't know. But uh, we'll just have to see. So, But the key is focus on thinking locally and act locally. But uh, just just focus on what you can do to better your own community. And then all these, these idiotic things that happen on the national, the federal level won't have as big as an effect on you. So, hey, take care. Uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.